I want you to look back over your life. And people would say that there are about five or six, you know, handful of significant moments that shape our lives. Like big moments that, that shape our lives. We have, you know, little ones that, that come and go, but, uh, you know, there are about five or so big moments that shape your life. It could be a decision to go to college, to uh, go to a certain college, and there you uh, came across the person that uh, you're going to marry. That was a significant moment that, that changed your life, or you might go on just a, a chance date or whatever, and you're like, oh, you end up like, oh, this transformed my life. Or you have a significant moment like, you know, there's an accident that can transform a person's life, that can change them in a moment, or maybe in an encounter with a person that leads you into you know, a relationship where somebody helps you in your relationship with Jesus. All of life is filled with these moments that really change us, that transform us. I think about my decision to, uh, to move from San Diego to uh, Grand Rapids. I didn't realize how significant that would change my life. You know, to think of the fact that I, growing up in Southern California, met a girl and married a girl from Michigan. Like, that, that just takes moments to happen. Like, life is filled with significant moments. I actually asked my kids, like, what is a significant moment in, in your life? Something that, that changed your life. And they couldn't really think of anything at the, at the moment, but they thought, I said, what about for my life? What have you, you shared? And one of them shared a, a little random story uh, that I shared years ago. They're like, that time in middle school when you put lotion on your face for the first time. I'm like, What? Such a small, insignificant story, but actually something small transformed my life because I remember walking around and my face was dry and I'm like, mom, I need help. And I put lotion on my face for the first time and my eyes were open. I'm like, I can see. And like, this is absolutely amazing and so much freedom. Um, So moments small and big have the power to transform our lives. Christianity is made up of those moments. There are significant moments that mark Christianity, the virgin birth, a significant moment, Mary conceiving Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit coming into this world. That is a significant moment, a supernatural moment. You look in Acts 2, that's another significant moment when the Holy Spirit fell on the church, empowering believers, the same spirit that existed from the very beginning was now in followers of Jesus, empowering them for the work of ministry. That's a significant moment. There there are other significant moments, but today we celebrate the, I would say, the the most significant moment in all of Christianity. A very supernatural moment when Jesus walked out of the grave. It changes everything. And I want to read it again this morning from Mark 16. The same words that Emily read it it, um, to start the service. And I want to read it because... Like, this is such an important moment that changes everything. And I want to ask us the question this morning, do we believe this? Do we believe this in such a way that it transforms our life? Because like so many other parts of Scripture, we can get to the point and we can just read it and be like, oh yeah, okay, that happened. And we don't allow its significance to seep into our heart and transform us. I mean, do we really believe these words? Mark 16, it says, When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene 
Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so they might go and anoint him. It's kind of like a practice in that, that time of, um, of bringing the spices to the tomb, kind of like laying flowers at a gravesite today. It was uh, showing honor and respect, and that's what they were setting off to do. And it says, very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large, and entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but but go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. You know, Jesus, before this all happened, three times he told his followers, he said, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to go to Jerusalem, and there I'm going to die, but three days later, I'm going to rise from the dead. Three times he said this. This is what is in store for you. This is the future, and it happened exactly as he said. Jesus really died. And I think we have to really uh, believe that, that he really died, and I love how Mark even articulates that in the section right before Mark 16. He fills it with names of people. He says there was this man, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a respected member of the council, who I love the description that Mark gives. I love the description that Mark gives of Joseph. He was looking for the kingdom of God. I love that. I want that to be true of all of us, that we're looking for the kingdom of God. But it says that that Joseph of Arimathea was an eyewitness, saw Jesus die and said, I want his body. And he wrapped his body and put it in a tomb. A Roman centurion who would have been an expert in uh, determining if somebody was dead or not verified his death to Pilate, who was the legal authority. He was surprised that Jesus had died already, and he said, nope, he's dead. And then also Mark says there were two women, both named Mary, that were eyewitnesses. Mark is sharing this because he's saying, Jesus died, you need to know this, that that Jesus died, did exactly what he said he was going to do. But three days later, we read this story, and the truth is Jesus really rose. I mean, he really rose. Mark fills this account with names. He says three women went to the tomb early that day. Two named Mary, the other named uh, Salome. They went, they were going to go and anoint the body with spices, and they saw that the body was not there. They said that uh, they encountered an angel, and he is not dead, he is risen. And it is interesting that Mark includes the names of these women. Because in the first century, if you wanted a story to be believed, you would not include women in the story. Because of how they viewed women, sadly. If you wanted a story to be believed, you would say, well, these guys, these men went and saw the empty tomb. But so why does Mark include the name of the women here? It's because they were actually there. Because they were eyewitnesses. They saw that the tomb was empty. And they weren't the only ones. 
Jesus appeared to so many. He appeared to the disciples. There's seven times in the Gospels that we see that Jesus appeared, and he appeared a little bit differently than he did before he, uh, he died and rose from the dead. He, this, uh, after resurrection, he would, uh, seems like he would go through walls or just appear at different times, but he appeared to the disciples. And then in Acts 1, 3 through 4, it says that for 40 days he went around appearing to people. And then fast forward 20 years later, when the letter to the Corinthians was written by Paul, Paul says Jesus rose from the dead. He died and he rose. And then Peter, Paul makes a long list of people that Jesus saw personally. And he says they are all still living. And so if you actually have a question about this, you need to go talk to him. He says Peter saw Jesus. Ask him. He saw Jesus. And he appeared to the twelve. He appeared, even Paul says, he appeared to me. And then he appeared to more than 500 at one time. The resurrection, the resurrection, people want to think that it's this hoax, but it's not. It's historical fact, backed by the empty tomb. We don't have the body of Jesus laying anywhere. The tomb is empty. There's numerous eyewitnesses. And also you can tell that it's historical fact because of the impact that it made on the follower, on Jesus's followers. They were transformed. And yes, it was the role of the Holy Spirit, but they were transformed because they saw Jesus rise from the dead. And they went from being timid and shy to being bold proclaimers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, proclaiming that Jesus rose from the dead. It was their central message. The resurrection. This is the foundation of our faith. Everything rises and falls on the resurrection. I mean, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, if the resurrection isn't real, our faith is useless. Preaching is useless. What we're doing here today is, is useless. We're just lying about God. If the resurrection isn't real, we're still guilty of our sins. And those who have uh, died believing in Jesus, they're just lost. They're just kind of floating somewhere. And we're the biggest fools. I mean, do you feel the weight of that? If 1 Corinthians 15, you read it, and Paul's just saying, like, without the resurrection, we're lost, we're broken, we're still stuck in our sins. But then he says, in 1 Corinthians 15, 20, says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. I mean, that has to just sink in. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Do you believe that? That's the question that I want us to wrestle with this morning. Do you believe that in such a way that your life is transformed by that reality? Are you living every day like the resurrection is real? Are you living every day like, well, Jesus is alive. He's ascended to heaven and reigning and ruling at the right hand of the Father. And the question that I have is, what would it look like to live like the resurrection is real? What would it look like? I think the first thing is we would experience freedom every day. The resurrection brings freedom. Go back to 1 Corinthians 15, 17. Paul says, it's up there on the screen. Paul says, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, it's worthless, and you're still stuck in your sins. But since we know that Christ has been raised from the dead, let's turn that around. Our faith isn't useless. Our faith is, is, has purpose, has meaning, is useful, and you are not stuck in your sins if you believe in Jesus. Like that brings so much freedom. Romans 5 says that Jesus went to the cross, died for our sins, so that our friendship with God can be restored. All throughout the Bible, we see that there's this separation. That the wages of sin is death. And everybody has sinned. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. 
You know, as I look around the world and you interact with people, we all know that people are carrying around a lot of weight. I'm not talking about obesity. I'm talking about weight. Just weight from their past. Weight from their sins. Weight from choice, weight from choices that they made years ago. Weight, for th- weight from things that, that has been, have been done to them. Things that they have gone through. People carry so much on their shoulders. And I often ask, what are you doing with that? Where do you go with that weight? And people will say like, you know, things like, I've never told somebody like, you know, this. I've never shared what I'm going to share with you with anybody else. And I bet even in this room, there are things about you, things that you have done, maybe things that you've said that you don't want anybody to know about. What do you do with that weight? Where do you go with that? I think our culture is just sick carrying around so much weight that they were not created to carry. And the beautiful thing about this morning is that our failures, your failures, isn't your future. Your failures doesn't, it does, it's, that does, it doesn't mean like that's the rest of your life. Any regret that you have can be released in the name of Jesus. Any guilt can be gone in the name of Jesus. Because that is the power of the gospel of the resurrection. That Jesus is alive. That our sins have been paid for. On the cross, He took our sins. He took all of our sins on His shoulders and bared them on His, on, on his shoulders so that we could have life. So that we didn't have to die the death that we deserved. And walking out of the grave, just as God raised Him from the, from the dead, it, sh- it says that we too are raised to new life in Christ. That we don't have to carry that weight around anymore. Romans 8 says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's gone. That we don't have to. We don't have, none of that defines us anymore. There's freedom that God brings into our lives through His Son Jesus. This is not up on the screen, but I was reading this this morning in Acts 13. One of the disciples is um, in Antioch, and they're preaching the gospel. They're sharing the good news of Jesus. And they said this, he said, um, Acts 13, verse 30, Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, that through this man, Jesus, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. The law revealed our sin, showed us our shortcomings. Jesus frees us of that, frees us of our sins, takes the punishment. If we believe in the resurrection, if we live every day like the resurrection is real, there should be so much freedom that comes out of our lives. No matter what people throw at us, we know that it doesn't, it doesn't stick because our identity is firmly planted in who Jesus says we are. There should be so much freedom that we carry around as followers of Jesus. If you have put your faith in Jesus, you are a child of God. Nothing else defines you. Nothing else defines you. But this morning, there might be some in this room that you haven't put your faith in Jesus. You've heard about the gospel. You've heard that you're a sinner. You've heard that Jesus died for your sins. But it says that, that um, their salvation is available for all who believe. And maybe you've heard, but you've never believed. And I would tell you this this morning, that you're still stuck in your sins. That that weight hasn't been lifted. That there is a future that is, that is, um, that is before you and one that is apart from Jesus, apart from God, Forever. And I don't want anybody to go through that. And I would implore you, put your faith in Jesus. He loves you so much. He went all the way to the cross for you. The resurrection produces 
freedom. But also the resurrection gives us hope. Gives us so much hope. And this world needs so much hope. Like we can be so discouraged. Listen to Ephesians 1, 19 through 23. Paul is praying this prayer for believers in the first century. And he says this, I also pray, after we prayed, that they would know Jesus, have a relationship with him. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. I want you to focus on that one line on the previous screen. I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power that is available for us who believe. The same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the place of honor. Think about that. Paul prayed this. He's like, do you understand the power that is available to you? The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is living inside of you. I don't know how, but it's living inside of you and us as followers of Jesus. Are we living like that? Are we living like that? The fact that we have access to this great power, the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. I mean, think about that. Does that change our lives? As we step into situations, as we see darkness in this world, as we see hopeless situations, are we living like we're worshiping the God who's a God of resurrection? A God who is a God of life. He is the God of, the, of miracles. He's the God who calms the storms. He's the God who fills people with peace. He's the God of transformation. We heard that this morning. I love that about God. God is the God of resur- resurrection. He's the God who brings life. Do you believe that? Because of the resurrection, all things are possible. Because of the resurrection, Jesus is not dead. He's not in a tomb somewhere. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. Because of the resurrection, even though you and I in this life can walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we don't do it alone. God is with us. Jesus is with us. Matthew 28, Jesus says, I will never leave you. I will be with you. Because of the resurrection, when you cry out to Jesus, He hears you. He sees you. He knows you. He's praying for you, the Bible says. Because of the resurrection, there is always hope no matter how dark, depressing, or overwhelming a situation is. People walked away from the cross disappointed. But that wasn't the end. Three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. Because of the resurrection, our God is about life. And in an instant... The power of God can show up and transform any situation. Healing the sick, bringing freedom to the oppressed, setting the captives free. Because of the resurrection, this should give us so much hope. We know that death is not the end of the story. Because God who raised Jesus Christ will also raise us. us. Death is not the end. This life isn't all that we have. There is a future of forever with Jesus. Death is not the end, but it's a doorway to eternal life, seeing Jesus face to face. And because of the resurrection, we can be filled with so much hope this morning. That no matter what happens, 
Nothing in all of this world or the next can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Are you living in the hope of the resurrection? Are you living in the hope of the resurrection? Are you living like the resurrection is real? And finally, I look at it because of the resurrection, the disciples were transformed. They went around boldly proclaiming the good news of Jesus. Boldly proclaiming. Their message became, God raised Jesus from the dead. In Acts 2, as Peter is proclaiming, full of the Holy Spirit, he's saying, you killed Jesus. To the people that killed Jesus, you killed him, but God raised him from the dead. Put your hope in him. Fast forward another chapter in Acts 3. He says, God raised Jesus from the dead. In Acts 4, in Acts 8, in Acts 10, in Acts 13, this became the central message. We have a Savior who is not dead, but who is alive, reigning and ruling, transforming hearts, transforming lives, bringing those who belong to the kingdom of darkness and bringing them into the kingdom of light. Are we boldly proclaiming the hope of the gospel? Has it transformed our lives in such a way that we can't contain ourselves? I really want us to wrestle with this question. Are we living like the resurrection is real and not just some holiday to be observed? Are we living in light of the resurrection every single day? We wrap up. We're going to sing the song in Christ alone. We're going to have the worship team.